Well, today we end our series in the book of Acts to the ends of the earth. And so far we've seen in the book of Acts, we've seen the the birth of the church, the inauguration of the church, the Holy Spirit coming down, the inauguration of the Holy Spirit coming down, starting the church at Pentecost, and then from there moving on, and and then the word of the Lord just spreading all over the world. And then we learn about the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul travels all around the world on these three missionary journeys. And he's telling everyone, he's telling the Jews, he's telling the Gentiles that Jesus came, and he is the Messiah, and he wants all people, all nationalities to come to know him. But yet, every time he's preaching the message, there is always opposition. There is this uh, attack against him because he's trying to bring the word of the Lord. He's trying to tell people that, that God's love is for everyone, but not everyone likes that message or like that message. And again, just like last week and the week before, we again encounter another riot, another issue, another situation where, where Jesus had or, or where Paul had to be careful because they wanted to kill him. In fact, in our, in our chapters today, we learned there's a group of Jews that made it their mission. They made a vow that they would not eat until the Apostle Paul was killed. So you could kind of get this sense of how the level of intensity is at such a high, high level. And, um, and so what happens is, is they're in Jerusalem, they're about to kill Paul, and then the Roman government comes in, the Roman soldiers come in, they take Paul and they take him to Caesarea Philippi, and they ask him questions. What is going on? What is this all about? And it's there in Caesarea Philippi that we meet a person by the, number, by the name of Felix, Governor Felix. And in Acts chapter 24... We're going to look at verses 10 to 16, Acts chapter 24, verses 10 to 16. And we're we're really covering in the short time that we have, like, I think four years or five years or something like that. So what I'm going to do is give us an overview of what happens. And as always, we want to encourage and challenge everyone to be reading the Bible regularly, to be in the Word, um, and uh, and to continue to fill your souls with God's Word. So, So Acts chapter 24. And we're going to read, starting with verse 10. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit, however, I admit, one more time, however, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. And here's the point. The Apostle Paul is in front of the governor. He's making his case. He he doesn't... He doesn't try to 
hide the fact that he's a follower of Jesus. When he says, I, 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 am, you know, I am not ashamed, I'm a follower of the way, that was what they called the Christians early on. That was a nickname. And, and, and the, the Christians early on adopted that. And in fact, I've mentioned this before, but the word Christians only used three times in the New Testament. And one of the other times we're going to find out is when King Agrippa is there. And so we have, uh, we have this, 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 this uh, uh, Roman official saying, tell me more, what is going on? And Paul is saying, I am a follower of the way. I am a follower of Jesus. And he's not ashamed of that. And he also is telling them, I'm not just throwing away all the Old Testament stuff. And that's what the... Israelites at the time were thinking he was doing. Then, once again, he's in another court of law. Because once again, he's in this court um, uh, with Felix, and then two years pass, he's still in prison, because they're trying to figure out what to do with Paul, and they don't know what to do with him. So, so, so after two years has, has passed, he says, I appeal to Caesar. Meaning, once you appeal to Caesar, you go to Caesar, and then that, that, that is it. So two years have passed. There's a new governor now named Festus, and, and this new governor comes in. Then the king of the local area, King Agrippa, comes in, and, and he wants to see what's going on. And then not just King Agrippa, not just the new governor, but you have all of the top Roman officials who are there, all the top Roman military who's there. You have... Everyone who's anybody there because they want to know what is going on with Paul and they want to see this King Agrippa. And here's what happens in Acts chapter 26. I'm going to read you these verses. And, and these verses come from the message paraphrase version of the Bible. And uh, I like it because it's a, this is a big story. What the message does is it, it, it paints this picture in a poetic way. Um, so in verse 26... In the message paraphrase, it says this, King Agrippa spoke directly to Paul, go ahead, tell us about yourself. Paul took the stand and told his story. I can't think of anyone, King Agrippa, before whom I'd rather be answering all these Jewish accusations than you, knowing how well you are acquainted with Jewish ways and all our family quarrels. Then, Jesus, then Paul goes on to talk about how Jesus saved him. On the road to Damascus, he had this vision where this bright light shone on his eyes, and he couldn't see, and he was blind for three days. And, and, and then after three days, this person named Ananias came, and then that's where he met Barnabas. And Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. Barnabas was the one that brought him to the disciples and says, no, Jesus has changed the life of Paul. He is the real deal. Or the life of Saul, he is the real deal. And then from that moment on, Saul's life or Paul's life was changed forever because Jesus got a grip on him. And because of that, he had this joy, this peace, and he wanted everyone to know about it. So he tells him this story. And then verse 19. What could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life change, this radical turn to God, and everything in it meant in everyday life right there in Damascus, went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside, and from there to the whole world. It's because of this whole world dimension that the Jews grabbed me in this temple that day and tried to kill me. 
They want to keep God for themselves, but God has stood by me just as he promised. And I'm standing here saying what I've been saying to anyone, whether king or child, who will listen. And everything I'm saying is completely in line with the, with the prophets and what Moses uh, said would, it ha- would, ha- would happen. One, the Messiah must die. Two, raised from the dead. He would be the first rays of God's daylight shining on people far and near, people both godless and God-fearing. Verse 24, this was too much for Festus. He interrupted with a shout, Paul, you're crazy. You've read too many books, spent too much time staring off into space. Get a grip on yourself. Get back in the real world. But Paul stood his ground with all respect, Festus, your honor, your governor. I'm not crazy. I'm both accurate and sane in what I'm saying. The king knows what I'm talking about, and I'm sure that nothing of what I've said sounds crazy to him. He's known all about it for a long time. You must realize that this wasn't done behind the scenes. You believe the prophets, don't you, King Agrippa? Don't answer that. I know you believe. But King Agrippa answered, Keep this up much longer, and you'll make a Christian out of me. In the uh, New International Version, it says, New, uh, New International Version, it says that, do you think that in such a short time you could persuade me to become a Christian? And uh, that's the second time the word Christian is used in the, in, in the book of Acts. The other time is in the book of First Peter. But Agrippa did answer, keep this up much longer, and you'll make a Christian out of me. Paul, still in chains said, that's what I'm praying for, whether now or later, and not only you, but everyone listening today to become like me, except, of course, for this prison jewelry. Isn't that kind of a cool imagery there? Even in jail, even in jail, Paul wanted people to come and know Jesus. Jesus came and changed the life of Paul, and Paul couldn't help but tell people about Jesus. Paul couldn't help but go to all the world telling people about the Lord. He said, whether there's kids, I'm telling them about the Lord. Whether they are a king or a governor or officials or Roman centurions or a general, I'm going to tell them about the Lord. Nothing stopped the Apostle Paul from speaking about the Lord. And so then we have to ask, what about us? When... Was the last time you and I were bold in our faith? When was the last time you and I shared our faith? That's great. When I, I, I was trying to think of these different stories I could share, and I want to share the story of, of a time when I was bold in sharing my faith. And, and then I'm going to show you a time when I, I was shy and didn't share my faith and, and kind of explain what was going on there. But when I was uh, bold, here's what I mean by bold. I guess there's different definitions of bold. Sometimes people think bold, you, you go to them and you kind of say like, you know, you kind of like yell at them like, you need Jesus. What I mean by, by bold is just being open and sharing like, hey, here's what Jesus has done in my life. But, but being bold in the sense that we share our faith. And so uh, uh, some time ago, 
maybe nine months ago or so, we, we hired a company to come and do a project with us. And, and this company, we just kind of connected with everyone working to do this video project that we were doing. And, and of the three of them, they all had different levels of faith of, of where they're at. And we just kind of connected. And, uh, and then after the project was done, I, I kept in contact with them. So, so I'd take them out to lunch, and we would talk story, and then I'd ask them questions. I would just open the door. I'd say, do you mind telling me your faith background? And they would tell me. And then that just deepened our friendship. And, uh, and, then, and then since then, we kept in contact through texting and letting one another know, like, hey, what's going on? And, and things like that. I wish I could say that now, because of that, they're all, like, committed followers of Jesus. And they are, like, growing in the Lord. And, and, and they're not. But... There's that connection there, and there's that relationship there. And that's part of what I, when I think of being bold for Christ, is just having this, this sense of let's build relationships with people wherever they are in their relationship with Christ. Now, there was a time also a few years ago um, when I wasn't as bold with my faith. And, and so my friend um, was put on this big, this big event with like thousands of people. And he had all the top professional skateboarders there. And, and he invited me. I said, sure, I'll come. And so you had all the top name skateboarders. And then you had like the legend skateboarders and, and all that stuff. And then there was a band headlining the event. The band's name was called Bad Religion. Just in case you're wondering, it's not a Christian band. <laughs> Just clearing that up. And, um, and so they had, they had Fuel TV there, and they were interviewing one of the founders of the band. And, and I was there, and my buddy was there, and the Fuel TV was there. And then they are going to do another video for another thing. And, uh, and, and, but yet, uh, my buddy had to go get some equipment. So, so they left, Fuel TV left, and then there was this band that was, that's really popular in that subculture world, and, uh, and, and I knew the music, and I kind of grew up with that music, and, and the co-founder of the band was sitting right in front of me, and it was just him and I for like five minutes, and I had an opportunity to say, hey, I listen to your music, I know you guys aren't believers, like, I, thinking back, what would I say, I, I, I kind of, you know, think like, I could, I could have just said, what would it take for you guys to believe in Jesus, like, Tell me more about, about that. And, uh, and I didn't do that. We, we small talked. And it was awkward at times <laughs> where you small talk for so long and there's not so much small talk you could have. And then they came in and then they interviewed them and then that's kind of what happened. Um, and, and so I didn't make the most of that moment. Now, I don't kick myself every day for that, that, oh, I missed the moment. But what I do is I learn from it. And I'm like, okay, so I didn't do the best in that situation there. What can I do from this point forward? What can I do from this point on? How can I make the most of every moment for, for the gospel? Just like the Apostle Paul, everywhere he was, he made the most of every moment. Everywhere he went, he made the most of that moment. So I'm thinking in my life, okay, I, I, I may have missed that moment there, but I don't want to miss moments going forward. And so what's that moment for you that maybe you missed? And maybe instead of kicking yourself for missing that moment, just learn from it and ask God to give you wisdom to figure out how to be bold in your faith as you move forward. And, uh, and with Paul, he was bold no matter who he was around. But Paul was bold and he had wisdom with his boldness. 
He says to King Agrippa, you know the Old Testament. You know the scriptures. You know about Jesus being the fulfillment of the Messiah. And he's talking to him. He doesn't see him as an earthly king because Paul knows who the real king is. And so Paul's not intimidated. Paul just wants him to know the love of Christ. And King Agrippa says, do you think in such a short time you could persuade me to become a Christian? God had redeemed Paul's past. God had redeemed who Paul was. Paul was a murderer. Paul was the one who was always trying to kill the people who followed Jesus, always trying to throw them in prison because they followed Jesus. But Jesus got a hold of him. He turned his life around. And ever since he, Jesus found him, nothing had been the same in his life. God had redeemed the apostle Paul. And something we need to be reminded of is Jesus is bigger than our past. Jesus is bigger than our past. One of the extraordinary things about the great biblical figures of the New Testament is that they're never afraid to confess to who they once were. They were never afraid to talk about who they once were. They were never afraid to talk about their past. Why? Because God had redeemed their past. God had brought them from here and brought them over to here. They were never afraid of their past because Jesus had redeemed them. Paul tells his story. Tells the story of how bad he was. Tells the story of, of, of that he was a horrible person, but he says, God has redeemed me from that, and now I'm serving living for him. So let me ask, what is, what is our story? If someone were to ask you, what is your story of what Jesus has done in your life? What is your story of what Jesus is doing in your life now? What would we say? What is Jesus doing in our lives now? What is... Uh, persuading us? What is motivating us to take our faith and put it into action? For some, we just have to believe what Jesus says, that he redeems us from our past, that he has redeemed us from sin because of the cross. Because of the cross and because of the past, because of sin, he died on the cross and rose again. We are redeemed and the Apostle Paul wanted everyone to know that love and to know that peace. Working with students at a university for seven and a half years, I heard, I've heard so many different stories. And, and one story is about this, this, this girl, and she just, she just uh, told it at her church um, uh, earlier this month. But, but growing up, there was abuse. Then when she got 20, 21, she, she uh, had an, an abortion, and then she went down this spiral of darkness and, and depression and, and everything else in between, and she started seeing a counselor. She started getting connected to church. She started getting out of this pit, out of this pit of despair, and then she hears the voice of God saying, like in, on her heart, saying, I'm calling you to go into ministry. She comes to Hope International University. She works in campus ministry. She's serving. She gets her degree. And earlier this month, she was ordained into the Christian ministry. As a, 
yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah. The beauty of that picture, the beauty of that is that here is a person, real life person, been through a lot, went through a lot, and God had redeemed her. Her past. You look in, in it with a different type of lens, you go, oh, she's not going anywhere. But you look at her lens with like a God-type lens, and you see that, that there's hope. There's always hope. There's always redemption. There's always healing within the person of Christ. Once that happens, we start looking at people differently. She was redeemed. She believed that she was redeemed, believed that God was calling her, and now she's an ordained minister serving the Lord in, in, in ministry. And that is something to celebrate. That is something to say, yes. That's what we want. That's, that's the type of life we live. And so what is our story? Maybe our story is we're stuck in the past. But maybe our story is it's time for us to move from that and to find the healing that only comes to Christ. And maybe it's time for us to start moving to the next level and saying, I'm going to take a bold step for Christ no matter what happens. The Apostle Paul lived that type of life. And you know what we see in the Apostle Paul? We see him living a life that was free. But he was being beaten. He was near death multiple times and prisoned countless times. But yet he lived a life of freedom. Why? He didn't let his past handcuff him. He didn't let people's opinion, opinions handcuff him. All he wanted to do was live a life that honors the Lord. And because of that, we have the majority of the New Testament. Because he wrote the majority of the New Testament. So after this... They, they go off to Rome, and they're, they're heading down to, to Rome. And on the way to Rome, there's this big shipwreck. This, this boat just, just, just uh, hits this reef, and they end up on the island of Malta in Acts 28. And there on the island of Malta, the, these islanders came, and they welcomed them very graciously, very friendly. And then they had this big bonfire for, for Paul and for the Roman soldiers who were taking him to Rome and for the other prisoners. And, and they were putting, Paul was putting uh, a wood on the fire and this big bonfire. And as he's doing that, there was a snake in the wood pile and a snake came and bit him. And all the islanders were saying, he's a murderer. And they were waiting for him to die. But Paul didn't die. God's saved them. And then they said, are you a God? And Paul's like, no, I'm not a God. But God saved me. And so then what happens is somebody was sick. They brought it to Paul. God healed that person through Paul. Then all of a sudden the entire island is coming to Paul. And God is healing the people on the island through Paul. But it's God's the one doing the healing. Paul is just a conduit that God is using to heal all these men and women on the island. And, and, and they're on the island for some time. And then after that they sail to Rome. And then they finally get to Rome. And this is the end of Acts. And it's kind of interesting how the book ends. And it's kind of interesting how things happen in, in the book of Acts. All of the stories here, all of these missionary journeys were leading to this point here in Acts 28. Here's what we read in, in verse 17. Three days later, Paul called the Jewish leaders together for a meeting at his house. He said, the Jews in Jerusalem arrested me on trumped-up charges, and I was taken into custody by the Romans. I assured you that I did absolutely nothing against Jewish laws or Jewish customs. After the Romans investigated the charges and found there was nothing to them, they wanted to set me free. But the Jews objected so fiercely that I was forced to appeal to Caesar. 
I did this not to accuse them of any wrongdoing or to get, uh, or to get our people in trouble with Rome. We've had enough trouble through the years that way. I did it for Israel. I asked you to come and listen to me today to make it clear that I'm on Israel's side, not against her. I'm a hostage here for hope, not doom. They said, nobody wrote warning us about you. And no one has shown up saying anything bad about you. But we would like very much to hear more. The only thing we know about this Christian sect is that nobody seems to have anything good to say about it. They agreed on a time when the day arrived, they came back to his home with a number of his friends. Paul talked to them day all day from morning to evening, explaining everything involved in the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them all about Jesus by pointing out that Moses and the prophets had written about him. And verse 22, the only thing they have heard about the way was that there was nothing good about it. That is a sad verse right at the end of Acts. You know, in those days, people just hear things through the rumor mill. But the rumor mill, in terms of what was going on, was that there's nothing good going on with those who follow Jesus. And then I wonder, in my life, how many times have I given Jesus a bad name? How many times have my actions given the Lord a bad reputation? And then I think about... I know I'm saved by grace, but do I abuse grace? I know I'm saved by love and I'm going to be with Jesus forever, but do I take that for granted? But Paul was there in Rome and he wanted them to know that, no, Jesus is the Messiah. Let me show you and tell you what was happening and what was going on. So Paul was under house arrest in Rome for two years. And as the band comes, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the story like this. He was in house arrest for two years. He had a soldier there. People could freely come and freely go. So he was awaiting trial for two years in Rome. People came. They talked theology. They talked philosophy. They talked about uh, uh, Bible. They talked about current events. They talked about everything. And while he is in Rome during these two years, he wrote the book of Philippians. Um, he wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote the book of Ephesians. He wrote the book of Philemon. And Luke ends the book of Acts by saying that Paul was under house arrest for two years. And that is it. It's almost anticlimactic. Like, what happened to Paul? Why doesn't the Bible say in Acts what happened to Paul? Why didn't Luke write what happened to the Apostle Paul? Why, why, why? The only thing I could think of is that Luke didn't want to focus on Paul, but Luke wanted to focus on Jesus. Luke wanted to focus on the one who died but then rose again. That's the focus that Luke was pointing at the entire time. The book of Acts is about what Jesus did through the entire church. Yes, he used Paul. Yes, he used Silas. Yes, he used Barnabas. Yes, he used Timothy. Yes, he used the apostles. But it was all about Jesus. And so Luke ends, and he says that Paul was there 
for two years under house arrest. People would come and go. And so, what do we take from this? One is, I think, let's let our lives shine for Jesus. Let's let our lives be bold for Jesus. That at the end of our lives, people see Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit working through us. That it's more about Jesus and less about us. And may our lives be lives that are always active, sharing the love of Jesus with others, sharing grace and redemption and hope and love and peace with everyone we come in contact with. Let's let our lives be the type of lives that when we see people, we see men and women in the image of God, people that Jesus died for, people whom Jesus loves, whether we agree with them or disagree with them. Let's, let, let's see them with that type of love, the agape love, this love that says, I will always love you no matter what. And may you and I ask the Holy Spirit for his power. The Holy Spirit comes upon us so that he will empower us to go and further the kingdom of God. And when we do that, all the glory and all the honor goes to our Heavenly Father. Amen? Let's stand together and let's respond by song.